Okay, so blessed are the persecuted. So uh, I'm, this is the final beatitude in, in, in the series I'm doing on the beatitudes. Um, I, it kind of felt weird doing it at first because I was kind of thinking, well, you know, does, can we get much out of this? Does this is really apply to us? And, 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 and it does. And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through and why this is important, why we don't just need it if we're in... Uh, you know, uh, Africa or Asia or, or some of the places where Christians are suffering the worst. But well, we need it here too. Uh, we need this message. It's, it's vital uh, for our understanding of their situation and because we do go through stuff too. And uh, so uh, let's, just, let's just dig into it. So the verse is Matthew 5, 10 to 12. And it is, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right. So you recap, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to his disciples. Okay? Every word he says has vital importance, and has vital importance, obviously, to us today, too. Okay? Um, so digging in, um, as we've learned previously, um, all of these Beatitudes are, are split into, into two Kind of okay. You've got like a you've got a condition or, or a characteristic, and then you've got a reward. So so in in, in this uh, uh, one, it's blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's the condition, and the reward is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, and uh, this final beatitude's reward is actually the same as the first. Uh, one, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. If, if you go back there, it's Matthew uh, 5 3. Um, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Uh, say, same one here. Okay? And uh, Jesus hasn't forgotten that he's already mentioned it right at the beginning. Okay? He's, he's deliberately mentioned it again. He starts his Beatitudes uh, with the kingdom of heaven and he ends it with the kingdom of heaven because it is all about his kingdom. Okay? It's all about his kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven. Right, so uh, the, Pastor David has basically recently started a new series on the kingdom of God. Yeah, people, people been hearing that one? Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, um, so, so one question might be, well, well, is that something else? Is the kingdom of God different to the kingdom of heaven? And the short answer is no. Uh, kingdom of heaven is exactly the same as saying the kingdom of God. They're synonymous. Okay. Uh, only Matthew uses the phrase "kingdom of heaven" in the whole Bible. Okay. Uh, if you read the other Gospels, they'll all say "kingdom of God," where Matthew replaces it with "kingdom of heaven," and uh, we believe that he does this out of respect to his audience because he specifically writes to Jews, um, and. Uh, when they see God's name written down, especially then, they, they see that as dishonouring, and so in, in, in attempts not to offend them, he changes the name God to heaven for this sake. Um, yeah. So, uh, but the thing is, if, if you look at Pastor David's sermons on the website, you're going to get a lot more knowledge about the kingdom of heaven than you can get in my uh, preach today. But I've, I've decided to look back on, uh, uh, on his past couple of sermons, and I've quoted some stuff, just so we uh, get a good definition of what the kingdom of heaven or God is, is basically. So uh, let me just put those up. 
There you go. The kingdom of God is not geographical or political. The kingdom of God is where God reigns, is where his name is honoured, where his word is received and obeyed, and where his hand is at work and welcomed, where God is worshipped, where his ways are followed, and where his values are admired and emulated. Okay? Um, his kingdom is not merely at the end of the world, but it is today, here, now. Okay? And to be in his kingdom is to have eternal life. To be outside his kingdom is to be forever lost. Okay? So the kingdom of God is basically where he rules over the hearts and lives of those who are willing to submit to his authority. Okay? Those who refuse him or rebel against him are not part of his kingdom because they don't want any part of his kingdom. Okay? Now, understanding that this is what it is is, is essential because you know, we pray, you know, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us, uh, your, your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay? When we're praying that, we're not pleading him to end the world. We're not saying, oh, come on, let it end, finish, finish now. Okay? That will happen, don't you worry. Okay? But what we're doing when we're praying for his kingdom to come is we're asking for more and more people to join his kingdom whilst here on earth. That's what we're praying for, the increase of his kingdom here. Okay? And the expansion of his kingdom can only happen before the end. People will not be saved when the end happens. When judgment comes, it will be too late. Okay? So there's a, there's a pressure here. It's like the day is coming. We don't know when it's going to be. So come on, let your kingdom grow. Let your kingdom grow. Okay? And the growth of God's kingdom is like a war being fought. Okay? All heard of spiritual warfare? Yeah? Yeah? Cool, cool. Well, spiritual warfare is not some distant thing we pray in our bedrooms rebuking this spirit and that spirit. That's not what it is. Okay? It's the physical preaching and evangelizing of God's word and power into the lives of real, everyday people. Okay? That's what it is. Okay? We are soldiers, okay? and we don't wage war with violence, but we wage it with the gospel of peace. Okay? But, uh, because it's a war, there's opposition. Okay, there's another side to it. Okay? And because it's a war and there's opposition, there are casualties. Okay? And there are not just spiritual casualties, you know, where people are tempted to sin and this and that. There are physical casualties. People suffer. People die. Okay? This verse that we're looking at today will explain just what happens when we really honestly ask for God's kingdom to advance. Okay? So let's, let's look at what is persecution? What is, pers- what is persecution? Okay, this, this might seem obvious to some of you. It might seem obvious, but I have heard, and I, I want to say this with the utmost respect, but uh, we, we need to refine our thinking. We need to refine our thinking of what the Bible says. Um, and we, we need to get that straight. So, um, so I've heard some interesting definitions, and so I want to clarify what it is and what it isn't. Okay? There are three things we suffer on earth as God's people. There are three things. The Bible mentions them very clearly. First one, temptation to sin. Okay? It's often a big problem. Two, hardship. Talking about you know, getting ill or you know, uh, having a bad day at work or whatever. You know, uh, or or, or you know, uh, poverty or, or not be, you know, uh, hunger, whatever. You know, just, just whatever you class as hardship. You know, whatever's hard in your life. Okay? We, we get that. Okay? We have hard times because we live on an on, on earth that's absolutely corrupt and is going to waste and is filled with sin. Okay, we're going to have hard times and we're going to get ill and whatever. And the third one is persecution. Okay. 
First thing you should know, they are different from one another. They're all mentioned in the Bible, but they are not the same thing. Okay? We're tempted to sin by our own evil hearts and by the enemy, our devil. Uh, uh, the devil, sorry. Okay? Uh, we face hard times living on this earth, as I just said, you know, disease, pain, poverty, hunger, thirst, death of loved ones, whatever, okay? But none of those things are persecution. They are not persecution, okay? I've, I've heard this statement from, from a few people in the past. Uh, let's just get that up. Our persecution in the West is trying to be a good Christian in a sinful environment. We are persecuted by our temptations to sin. This is simply not true. This is not a true statement at all. I, I can understand why the statement emerges because, you know, there, there is a lot of suffering going on in the world with Christians who are facing torture and death and all this and that. And, 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 and sometimes we think, well, I guess we've got our persecution too in this sense. But no, 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 that, that's not it. We do have persecution here in this country, but it's not, that is not what it is, okay? In fact, actually, Christians facing death and torture are also subject to temptation to sin, Okay, Paul and Peter, in their letters, both write to Christians, telling them, don't go back to sin while you're facing persecution. Don't, don't fall away because of this. Okay? So, so it's, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. Okay? So what defines persecution, then? Made a little table. <laughs> right. Our English word, well, the Greek word is, is dioko. That's, that's what we translate to persecute. In the Bible, okay? And dioko means this. It means to make, to make flee, to put to flight, to drive away, okay? Uh, or to run after. Sounds a bit contradicting, but it's the same thing. So, to, to catch, to hunt down, to pursue in a hostile manner, to harass, trouble, molest, and mistreat. Persecution is always receiving suffering in some shape or form from another person. Okay? Now, this can manifest itself in various ways. The most obvious, as I've already mentioned, torture and death. But others can be harassment, taken to court, being bullied, beat up, sneered at, jeered at, insulted, verbally or physically abused, lied about, mocked, isolated, backbitten, defriended on Facebook, stolen from, overcharged, underpaid, overly scrutinised, treated unfairly, kidnapped, raped, mistreated, put down, or just plain hated. Okay? And there are countless more ways. But persecution is from the hands of another human being. Okay? So that's, 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 what, that's what persecution is. All right, well, persecuted for what? Persecuted for what? I hope you all realise persecution is not limited to Christians, right? It's not limited to Christians. There are countless people across the world who are persecuted for a number of reasons, okay? Gender, race, age, religion, sexuality, weight, appearance, mental capacity, which is a nice way of saying you're smart or you're dumb, um, physical deformity, whatever, okay? People are, 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 are persecuted for a number of reasons. And persecution for any reason is wrong and it's disgusting, and it's an unfortunate byproduct of sin in the hearts of man in, in this world. It's unfortunate. However, this beatitude is tackling a specific type of persecution. Okay? It doesn't apply to the reasons I, I, I just listed a second ago. Okay? It's not blessed to those who are persecuted full stop. It's not that. Okay? It's aimed at a particular type. Okay? And it says, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
And it's expanded upon in the next verse as well. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is persecution for being righteous. It's persecution for the sake of Jesus. Okay? So I, w- I want to recap the order of the Beatitudes so far so we can understand this better. Okay? So the first one, poor in spirit. right? So, so we're poor in spirit. We have no good in and of ourselves. Uh, we become aware of this and realize our, our desperate need for God to change our lives. Okay? Second one was mournful of sin. Okay? We, we start to mourn the sin in our lives and its effects around us. Okay? Uh, the third one, being meek. Okay? We stop focusing on ourselves and our focus turns to God and those around us whom we can perceive as better than us because we now know how rotten we really are on the inside. Okay? Fourth one, we desire to be different. Okay? Hungry for righteousness. Uh, we didn't have it, now we want it. Okay? Uh, we hunger to be righteous, to be different, a new person and unaware that God is already beginning that transformation. Okay? Uh, and the fifth one, which I've... There's, there's a couple more, but I've just combined them all into this one, uh, is uh, merciful, pure, and peaceful, right? So after receiving mercy from God as his enemies previously and uh, being able to see him now and told we're not just his friends, but we're adopted into his family and we get his inheritance, we get everything he owns, you know? And, and in light of our previous desire for righteousness, uh, we become more like him in being merciful, pure, and, and, and peaceful, peaceable lives, ready to share that same peace that God made with us to everyone else, so they too might share in what we have. Okay? This is a process. This, this whole beatitude this is like a process, right? And, and it's one of re- being a rebel to being righteous. It's being a God-hater to a God-server or a God-lover. Okay? It's a transformation. Okay? And this righteousness is not from us. Okay? The first beatitude counsels out that, out that idea completely. All men are poor in spirit. Everyone is. We've just realized it. That's where the first step is. We're just realizing it. Okay? We're all poor in spirit. If we were righteous in any way beforehand, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need him. Because we'd already be righteous. But we're not. We weren't and we're still not in and of ourselves. Okay? Do you remember the worship song? I'm, I'm going to sing it badly. But, you know, my hope is built on nothing less. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness. Yeah? Sorry, that was terrible. Sorry to put you through that. But yeah, um, it's built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's on his righteousness. It's built on his righteousness. He is the only person in the whole of history who has perfectly obeyed God. He has never rebelled. He had the perfect relationship with him. And then he turns to us and says, look, you know what? You couldn't do it. You didn't do it. You couldn't do it. You never could do it. You never will be able to do it. But I did it. And then what does he do? He doesn't, he doesn't turn to us and say, and, and just leave us to, and, you know, he doesn't run off and leave us to rot, right? He, he instead, he pays the price for our rebellion and then gives us his perfect score. And the charges against us are dropped. And he doesn't leave it in that, but he puts us in good standing. He gives us an inheritance. He gives us everything we don't even deserve. It's as if we had obeyed God perfectly and lived the perfect life, even though we hadn't. It's his righteousness. We are affiliated with him. We are affiliated with him. Now, let's, let's just be honest. If someone actually did that for you, in, 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 let's, let's talk about normal everyday life. If someone actually did that for you, if you, if you were facing some sort of crime or whatever, I don't know, right? And someone actually um, 
uh, dropped the charges against you completely. They paid whatever the cost was for those charges. If they just dropped it, right? And then they didn't just stop there, but then they, they gave you everything they owned, which so happened to be this massive estate, and they gave you the deed to the house, and they, and they, and, and they gave you the, you know, the car and this and that, and they gave you the will and the inheritance, and, and none of it was yours. And then, and, then, and then he tells you to shut up about being stoic and, and saying, oh, no, no, don't do that, don't do that. No, 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 shut up, shut up, I am doing this, right? If they, if they did that and told you to, to, you know, to just accept his generous offer, wouldn't you be grateful at all? Would you be? I'd be. I think that's, that's pretty amazing. Like I said, I know a lot of people say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to suffer myself. I don't know. Right? You'd be grateful to that person. Or at least I hope you would be. Well, the truth is someone did do that for you. And he did 2,000 years ago. Okay, before you were born. And he is not dead, but he is reigning right now in heaven. Okay? And he is increasing his kingdom on this earth. Maybe not here in the West right now. Maybe it doesn't look obvious in the West, but he's increasing it across Asia and South America and Africa. He's increasing it there. And when everyone he wants has escaped, uh, escaped, sorry, has accepted, <laughs> everyone he wants has accepted his citizenship, he will usher in a new age with no death. No suffering, no decay, no damaged relationships, no screaming kids, and no bad backs in the morning. Yeah? That's something to be happy about. <laughs> and it's all yours. And he is all yours. But, but he is not yours to do what you want to do and for you to control. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's not to serve you, but he is yours as, as, your, as your master, which is a big term back in, in Bible language. You know, it's not like our bosses now. I, a lot of people probably don't like their bosses, but, <laughs> I, I, but if, if you do, great. That's a good thing, right? But, um, but, but back then, a master was like, it, there was a relationship there, and a good master you, you got along really well with. Like, it was just, it was just a big thing. I, I don't know really how to explain it. But, um, but anyway, he is your master, a loving, good master. And more than that, he is your dad. You were adopted into his family, and he loves you very, very much. Okay? To pretend to not be affiliated with him is an insult to his generosity. And that's why he later says, No. (laughs) Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Here's the thing, those who are saved by him are proud, or should be proud, to be associated with him, whatever that cost is. But he, he does warn us what this means if we do, if we are, you know, accepting of being affiliated with him. He warns us. So let's talk about that. Do we have to face it? Do we have to face persecution? If you remember my previous sermon on series, the Beatitudes are not a list of do's and don'ts. Okay, but they're a list of natural changes to the life of a man or a woman who is being changed by God. Uh, these are characteristics of someone who is being saved. And in a healthy Christian, they should be growing constantly in increasing measure. But as these things are developing, there's another trait that grows with the Christian. Okay? Few people will say persecution is a characteristic. Right? Uh, it's not something you, you really do. Right? It's just you know, it's something that might happen to you. Might happen to you. Well, here's the thing. Jesus is saying it's a characteristic in these Beatitudes. And by doing so, he's saying that persecution is not a maybe. He's saying it's a given. Matthew 10, 22. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it has hated you. Okay? It hates us because it hates him. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Hates you because of me. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Jesus is our master. We are his servants. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We're persecuted on Jesus' account. We will be persecuted. It will happen. Okay? But why? Why? Why is he hated? Why are we hated? It doesn't make sense. Wasn't he a good person? Didn't he do good things? Didn't he heal the sick? Didn't he help the poor? I mean, come on, if someone did that today, let's, let's be honest, you wouldn't hunt that person down. You'd see him as a role model. Oh, wow. You know, he's doing a good job. You know, charity, this, whatever. You know, why are we hating him? Why do people hate him? Why do people hate us? John 7. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because... I testify about it, that its works are evil. There's your reason. They hate Jesus because he testifies about the world that its works are evil. Here's the thing, church. The world doesn't hate us because we do good or we're nice or whatever or we do this or that. Okay? The world doesn't hate Jesus because of the good he did. You know what? Some unbelievers really respect Jesus, though they don't believe in what we believe. They respect him and say, yeah, he was a good man. He was a good, he was a good teacher. He brought some good morals in. I mean, to be fair, I mean, the morals that he brought, our nation is pretty much built on. And America and a few other nations. They're built on those morals. So he's some, there's something to admire there, right? But you know what? If they really knew him, If they really knew him, they would hate him, absolutely hate him, if they didn't follow him like we do. But why? It's because he's light. He's the light of the world. He testifies that what the world does and what the people in it do is evil. Okay? He is truth and light, and light shines in the darkness. And what does light do? It exposes dark deeds. It reveals them. Okay? It shows people what they're really like. And you know what? People hate that. People hate that. They feel judged, no one likes feeling judged and condemned, he likes feeling judged and condemned, but they feel it because his ways are more righteous than theirs and exposes them for the frauds that they are. They shrink back into corners because they love their sin, and they shout back that what they're doing isn't really sinful at all, and a lot of them really believe it too. I'm just going to run off my notes here and say, you know, where does most of the persecution come to the church? Most of the time throughout history it's come from the church, which is interesting enough. Okay? You know, the great, um, the Reformation. Reformation, it was mainly Christians persecuting Christians. People who thought they were doing the right thing. There's a scripture that says, you know, there'll be a time that comes where people will be killing you and thinking they're doing me a favour. And it's wrong. But they hate it because those Christians are feeling judged and condemned because they're not really living the way they should be living and they're persecuting the ones who are. Obviously, it doesn't just stop. It's Christians persecuting Christians. There's a numerous amounts of people that persecute Christians. If you look at Barnabas Fund, which I really recommend, we, we support uh, Barnabas Fund. Um, you, you know, you'll, you'll see all the persecution that's against Christians currently in the world. But anyway, but, but they, they don't like it. They hate this. And, you, and they hate us the same way as they hate Jesus because it's his light that burns in us. And as long as we don't hide it, we too will naturally just expose people's dark deeds by being in the same room. We don't even have to say anything. 
John 3. This is the judgment. Lights come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates light and does not come to the light because his works would be exposed. They'll hate you for this. They will hate you for this. And given the chance, and in some countries they are given the chance, they'll kill you. Okay? If you grow in righteousness and Christ-likeness, you will be defined by persecution. It will grow right alongside. Okay? And here's the thing, you can choose to hide it. You can choose to hide it. The next verses after this beatitude talks about being the salt of the, salt of the earth and light of the world. Remember those? You were the salt of the earth, you were the light of the world. Did, did you wonder why he talks about losing saltiness and hiding light under a bowl? Kind of, kind of makes sense, doesn't it, now? There's a, there's a fear. Oh, I'm a light. Oh, mm. You know. There's a fear. The more righteous you are, the more you invite persecution. You know what? That's scary. That's scary. Pastor David said to me in the car the other day, while, while we were discussing the subject, I decided to quote him. I quickly wrote it down. Um, uh, you receive as much persecution as you deserve. Remember, God has changed us. Okay? We are new creations. This is a good thing. We are lights, and lights aren't meant to be put under things. I don't know if you realise that, but they're put out there to shine in the dark and make things visible. And so, say this as sympathetically as I can, if you are not currently receiving any persecution whatsoever of any sort, are you absolutely sure? Say that as empathetically as I can, really. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not just, be, you, that you're not just, are you sure you're just being good and not righteous, you know? Are, are you unwilling to expose the dark deeds of those around you? Not by pointing it out, not by saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, you should be a Christian like me. Not like that, but just by, just by living the way you do, by living in contrast to what they, how they live. See, if we're willing to grow in Christ, then we must face persecution. It must happen. That's, that's the be-all and end-all of it. So, if you're currently counting up the cost of this, and thinking, oh, being a Christian doesn't sound as fun as it, as it, as it did before. Um, if, if, you, if you're counting the cost and, you, and you're still willing to grow, knowing that it probably will in, in face, well, then let's, let's go into the next part of this and see why Jesus actually says that this is a good thing. Weird, right? Blessed, rejoice. Are you kidding? It is a weird one, isn't it? I mean, uh, blessed, if you remember, means fortunate, you're well off, you're happy. You, uh, now we can sort of understand how the others before it, you can be happy. Oh yeah, peacemaker, I can see how they would be blessed. And, and oh yeah, pure in heart, yeah, I can see how that person would be blessed. Uh, it might be a bit harder when it gets to poor in spirit. Oh, I don't know, yeah, but may, maybe with a bit of explanation I can understand that. But being persecuted, persecuted people being blessed, being well off. What about persecution? Is happy and joyous. Well, the first thing is, we're not, we're not told to actually enjoy persecution itself. Okay? That's not what he's saying. Okay? Persecution is horrible, and it should be rightly feared and regretted. Okay? Uh, but we're told to rejoice while we're in it. And he gives us a reason. Okay? He says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay? Your reward is great, they persecuted the prophets. There's two parts to this. I'll go over both. Persecuted prophets. 
Now, prophets in the Old Testament, they're the men who heard from God and spread his word to the people, okay? There were lots of them. They're not just named after the books you know, you know, okay, Isaiah and Jeremiah. There were, there were absolutely hundreds of these people, okay? And, uh, and these guys suffered for what they did. A couple of examples. Uh, Elijah was hunted down by Jezebel. King David was hunted down by Saul. Isaiah, at the end of it all, was sawn in half. And there's tons, okay? Um, in this day and age, we don't, we don't just have to look back on the prophets. We've got a whole array of people to look back on. Apostles, disciples, and countless followers who have paved the way for us to, you know, for us today, okay, before us. Uh, disciples, Peter, James, John, Thomas, Matthew, uh, and people who aren't, dis- well, who are, you know, are after the, the main disciples are Mark, Paul, Luke. And then you've got people who aren't even the Bible, like Polycarp and a lot of the other founding fath- uh, fathers. And you've got the people in the Reformation, like William Tyndale, Martin Luther. There are so many, there are so many Christians that have suffered for the name of Christ. Okay? But why mention them? Why, why, why mention the prophets? Why mention these people? Why look back on them? Two reasons. Suffering isn't new. Okay? Suffering for the sake of Christ is not new. Okay? It didn't happen when Christianity started. People have been suffering for the, for the sake of God since Abel died at the hands of Cain. Okay? Been suffering since the beginning. And the second reason is proof you're genuine. If you're suffering for the same reason as the prophets, then you're doing something right. Okay? See, suffering under persecution actually acts as a confirmation of who you are. It shows you're genuine, that you, you actually are righteous, that you actually are like the prophets, and even better, you're becoming more like Christ. Yay! Isn't that what you've been praying for? Oh, I want to be more like you, Jesus. All right, let's give you some persecution. <laughs> if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. I've got it. Oh, I'm a, I don't have to... Re- you know, listen to these doubts that say I'm not saved. I am. Great. Oh, that went over. That's a bit weird. These trials will show that your faith is genuine, if you can see that amongst the, the chaos on the screen. And here's the thing. They, they show you are genuine, which is a good thing, which is, which is a thing we need. We, we, sometimes we need to be reassured that we actually are in Christ, because I think a lot of us doubt sometimes when we mess up and, and stuff, you know. And so, so this actually kind of proves you're genuine. And you're like, oh, that's good. It's an assurance. And here's the thing. It's not just an assurance, but it actually helps you grow further. Is what James says. Oh, okay. Count it all joy, my brothers, uh, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Funny thing is, the places where persecution is the worst in the world is the, place, the places where the gospel and, and the church thrive the most. It's a fact. The more persecution there is, the more the church grows. Okay? We grow better under pressure. Okay? And unfortunately, I think we've become very complacent in the West. If you've got my notes, I've re- just realised I've actually spelt that wrong. But... Um, yeah, we've become complacent in the West, I believe. Okay? Every, every time we've had revival here, every time there's been a revival, a reformation or whatever, which is what a lot of people pray for, revival, every time it has always been met with fierce persecution. Fierce persecution, all of them. Every single revival. Look back on it. Okay? Do we want revival in this country again? 
Do we? Let's ask that. Do we want revival? I mean, who wants revival in this country? Who wants to see this country submit to God? Some murmuring, some hands. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Well, then, if, if that's so, maybe we're overdue for some persecution. Maybe we're overdue. By the way, I'm not neglecting the fact that there are Christians who do suffer in this country. Uh, there, there are many. Um, but, uh, yeah, but you, you know what I mean. Anyway, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Reward in heaven, the second part. So the prophets persecute before you, and great is your reward in heaven. Okay, Paul, let's go to Paul. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians tells him this. Okay, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. If the dead are not raised, let's drink, let's eat, let's drink, tomorrow we die. This is interesting. See, it's, it's funny, because I've heard it before, and, and I think a lot of people have asked the question, you know, if you live this Christian life, and you, know, and you do everything you can, living, living this Christian life, whatever, right? And right at the end, when, when it came to, you found out that it was all fake, that it was all a lie. Okay? If you found out it was, your religion was really fake, then, then what would you do? How would you feel? And I think a lot of people answer this something like, and I've heard this before, well, being a Christian made me a better person, kind of improved my life somewhat, and you know what, it's, it's just helped me live a life of honour that I can personally be proud of. You know, okay, it's respectable religion. But Paul doesn't say that when he's questioned that way. He doesn't say any of that. He, he says effectively this. He says, if there is no reward, if there is absolutely no life after this one, if this was all fake, and if this was all a ruse, okay, and if we're just going to die and stay dead at the end of it, then this way of life is a waste of my time. That's what he says. It's a complete and utter waste. If Christ isn't raised, if we're not going to be raised, forget it. Forget it. It's better to enjoy the pleasures of this life you know, while you can. You know, eat, drink, be merry. YOLO. Yeah? <laughs> I thought I might get some chuckles. Seriously. That's what he says. But he counters it and says, but here's the thing. He knows that Christ has been raised and he knows that he will be too as well as all of us. He knows it and so he willfully suffers for it. Okay? If it was all rubbish, then it would be about how good a life he can have here and now. But it's not all rubbish. So he says this instead. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which is what we talked about, but which comes from, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, my reward. Separately, a letter to Hebrews, it talks about Moses. It says, Moses considered the reproach of Christ, being affiliated with God, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Don't forget that Moses was in a royal family. He had everything. He had everything, and it was all going to be his. He was adopted into that family, and adoption rights back then meant you got it. It means you own it. He thought, no, the reproach of Christ, the reproach of God is greater wealth because he was looking to the reward, not to the sufferings he had to go through. It's not about this life. I'm, I'm sick of hearing it when people say that it is. Okay? Christianity is not your best life now. It is not. 
Okay, God couldn't care less about your comfort or how much you're earning, what you own, how pretty your spouse is. He doesn't care about that. He, he supplies those things sometimes, and that's great, and we should thank him for him. But you know what? That's not his, that's not his concern, really. Okay? This is the reason why the prosperity gospel is so disgusting and vile. It's because it takes the focus off the real prize. Why, 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 you, you're substituting for something that's rubbish. Oh, yeah, and they don't have the, the amazing trophy at the end. Just have this little, you know, this little, this little wooden thing that I've got here, you know. It's, 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 you're distracting from the real prize. Okay? And, that, and, and it matters because it has devastating effects on Christians who believe that stuff. It has. Okay? People say, oh, you know what, people told me, you know, uh, God loves me and wants me to have a happy, good life, you know. But now I'm being abused because of knowing Jesus. Uh, d- does God not love me? Why isn't my life as good as that prosperity preacher's over there? You know, he, he seems to be checking out, or that guy over there seems to be checking out. Maybe I'm not good enough. Oh, either way, I don't like all this hate towards me. You know what? Stuff this. Can't take this. Jesus warns against this stuff in, in his parable of the seed that falls on rocky ground. Let's take a little, quick look at that. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yes, okay, God is good. Yes, all right, uh, thank you. My life's going to be good. It's going to check. It's going to go well now. Yet because he has no root in himself, he endures only for a while. When, the tri- when tribulations or persecution arises, and it will arise on account of the word, he falls away. Paul, whoever writes Hebrews, commends them this way. Let's look at this. Recall the former days when you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, joyfully accepted it, since you knew you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. Prize isn't here, guys. It's not here. It's in eternity. Okay? The fullness of joy cannot be experienced in this age. It doesn't. We get, we get pockets of it. God gives us spaces where we can enjoy stuff. That's, that's great, okay? But it's not here. It's not the focus. Okay? It's the next one. We don't belong here. So don't get comfy. Don't get comfy. If your focus is on how good your life is on earth, when trouble hits, and it will, you're going to doubt God and wonder where he is, why he's deserted you, why your life's not going as well as you thought it should be, and you just might fall away. It's, it's just... Right here in the Bible. We rejoice in persecution because the reward past it completely outweighs it. Okay? If we get through it, the, the, the reward on the other side is totally worth it. We have an incredible reward. It's actually so great a reward, the Bible doesn't even ex- uh, bother to explain it much in case we degrade it with our foolish interpretations. Okay? As Christians, we, don't, we might not spend... I don't know if you do. I, maybe you do. I don't know. But we, I, I know I haven't in the past. You know, we, we don't spend a lot of time um, meditating what it may be like. You know? But, you know, we, sh- we should think about it often. Every single day. It's our, it should be our primary motivation. Everyone in the Bible is motivated by this thing, including Jesus himself. He said he suffered it for the joy set before him. He's looking to something else. He's not looking at the present condition. He's looking at what's ahead. It should be our primary motivation. We should think about it. I'll give you some ideas. You know, we're going to get, uh, from what I do know from Scripture, we're going to get a new body that doesn't get sick or tired and doesn't have aches and pains, like I said before. You know, that's a good thing. We've got a new earth to explore and enjoy. We hopefully have our, you know, friends and family. And you know what? We're going to have a whole new lot of friends and family to, to meet from across the globe and across history who have loved God just as we have. 
And the best part of it is we get to be with God himself. Okay? He's our reward. Being with him is, is, is the prize. Okay? It's being in a kingdom that's governed only by his goodness. If that doesn't really sound like much of a prize to you, then you really need to get to know him better because it's a darn good prize. It's really good. I'll just say on a side note as well, looking at the time, um, some of you might think, well, I'm not motivated by reward. I, I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that's right. Should we be motivated by reward? Should we love for reward? Should we do, do this and do that for reward? I thought, you know, we're just supposed to do it. Um, well, the Bible is filled with reward. God, time and time again, from Old Testament to New Testament, talks about reward every single time. He always talks about it for the reason for doing something. And like I just said, the reward is, is God in the end himself as well. You actually get to see him. You know, you know, we're no longer veiled, right? You know, if, you, if, 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 you, if, you, if you're trying to live for God, but trying to take away the reward, saying, no, I'm not going to do it for reward, I'm just going to do it because I'm trying to serve God, you're going against scripture. And you're being unbiblical. I know that's a hard thing to hear, but it's true. Okay, we are supposed to be, we're designed to be motivated by this sort of reward. And to be fair, if, if you don't see God as a reward worth working for, that's kind of insulting to him. So yeah, we are governed by reward. Now I'm going I'm to wrap this up. Oh, I, I, I thought I had more, I didn't. Okay, so... There are many more things to say on this subject of persecution. Okay? There, there is a lot, and uh, uh, I'm actually doing better than I thought I was on time. But e- either way, there's, there's so much, I, I'd, I'd need another, I need another a pocket of time to do it properly. I don't have that time right now. But I'm, I'm, and I'm not willing to put you through more of my talking either. But, uh, you know, but, you know I think, I'm thinking next time I'm going to talk more about how Jesus teaches us to actually handle this persecution. Okay, so part two coming up, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, tuning next time. Okay, um, but yeah, I, I think I'll talk. I'll talk more about how how we should actually handle it and uh, what you know what we should also do uh, for our brothers and sisters who are constant uh, who are who are suffering uh, at this moment. You know, currently under it. But I'm, I just want to recap and end. If, you know, I've, I've said I've said a fair bit. All right, let's recap. And, 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 yeah, persecution is suffering under the hands of other people. It's, we suffer because we're identified with Jesus and because we hopefully are imitators of him. Okay? The world hates us because they hate him and they hate him because their deeds are evil and they reject his light which exposes them and their deeds. And, uh, and, and therefore they reject the light that's also in us that we naturally shine because of the same reason. Though persecution is absolutely scary, and it is, it is a blessing, and it helps us grow, it proves our faith, and it forces us to set our eyes on the prize that's ahead rather than on this earth now. Okay? Those are the things to rejoice in. They, they, they change the focus. You know, it's, Romans says, uh, change your mindsets. You know, uh, let your minds be changed. We need to change our mindsets. It's not about here, it's about there. We, we need to get that because we need to start rejoicing. Because if we can rejoice now, then we can rejoice later. If we're not rejoicing now, I don't know what hope you have when you're being persecuted, in, in all fairness. But maybe that's what you might need to get it going. I don't know. Right? Okay. Now, we may not suffer death and torture in this country, at least not vastly. 
Okay? But there are plenty of instances of every day in everyone's lives here of hate, false testimony, backbiting, bullying, loss of friendships, whatever. Okay? Uh, you know, we, we can be lined, maligned in many ways. Okay? But here's the thing. We, we, we do this to see the increase of the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing this for. Okay? We are soldiers and we are marching out to do our commander's will. Okay? To see people freed from this kingdom of darkness, which they're chained to, and brought into the kingdom of light in which we are living. Okay? It's a purpose to this. Okay? And here's the thing. We, we will, or we should rather, happily endure all things, even lay down our lives in hope that if we perish, it will act as seed into the lives of others. Okay? And that we ourselves will finally gain the inheritance. As I remember this phrase where Paul's arguing, says, oh, do I want to, you know, I've, I've been saved from death right now, but do I really want to be alive? <laughs> it's a weird question, right? But he's, he's like, yes, I think, I think I'd like to be alive because I want to help you guys out, but I'd rather be dead because then I'd be with Christ. <laughs> what, what mentality? Let's, I want that mentality. Uh, you know, so we'll happily endure all things. We'll lay down our lives. And, uh, and we'll finally gain the inheritance, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus won it for us. Okay? It's, you know, so we're going to do this for the prize set before us, for his kingdom, for his glory. Let us, church, let us here now, lighthouse, let us start enduring to the bitter end for these things. Let us start inviting and be welcoming of persecution in our own lives. Let's not shy away from it. Let's not be scared, but let's be encouraged. Let's encourage one another that, hey, I know what you're going through right now. Come on. We, you know, we're going to get through this. Look, God's reminding you of this and this and this. You know, God is good to you. Come on. We've got something better than this. Come on. Let's encourage each other in this. This is so important. It's so vital because it is coming. Persecution will happen. You have no choice in the matter unless you duck out, unless you duck away from God himself. I'm going to close with this verse. I'm going to close with this. This is, if people want to turn to it or note it or whatever, this is 2 Corinthians uh, 4, and it's verses 8 to 18. Okay? We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you, eternal life for the people we suffer under and who exceed the suffering. Okay? We continue to preach because... We have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus to present himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day. For our present troubles are small. Our present troubles are small. This is a guy who was beaten to death. Okay, Our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. It'll be over. 
But the things we cannot see, they will last forever. Amen? Amen. All right. Can I... Can I ask the communion guys to, to start coming down? I'm, I'm just going to, I just want to pray and introduce communion. So, so if we all, yeah, if we, if we all just uh, bow our heads in prayer, whatever you do. Father God, I, I just want to thank you for, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the message you've given this morning, you know. Um, you know, there are countless people across the world who are absolute, you know, who are suffering. And, and there are a lot of people in Britain who are suffering too. And, and, and there are people even here who are, who are suffering for, 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 what, for just being a Christian, you know. Uh, I, I just pray more and more that, I, I, I still pray for growth. That's the thing. I, I pray that we all still try to grow, that we want to grow, that we ask for growth, that we ask to be more like you, that we ask to be righteous, that we ask to be more like you, Jesus. I want that for us. I know, there's, I know there's, in a sense, strings attached. I know there's persecution that happens because of it too. But that, that's what's going to help define us. It's going to help us grow more and more. I, I just want us to be ready for it. You know, If that's what it takes, if that's what it takes, then I'll let our hearts be for you, Lord. Please bless us. Please help us. Please help us endure when we're going through it. Please help the people who are already going through it. You know? Help us be ready. I pray, help us have our eyes set on you, the prize. Let's have our eyes set on heaven. That's the most important thing. We have such a great inheritance, Lord. I thank you so much for it. Please, let us, let us, let us, let us tap into that more. Let us, let us remember that more. Let us think about that more. It's so important. I thank you that you love us. Everything you do is for our good and for the good of your kingdom and for your glory. Uh, and, and, and that's what we pray, for your kingdom, for your glory. We pray for you to be honoured, Jesus. And as we kind of come this time in, in, uh, in communion, I, I, I just pray as well, you know, the, you suffered and died as well. You're not telling us to do something you never did. You know, you suffered the worst of it. You, you suffered the worst of it, God. And you know, I, I just pray that, you know, as, as we come into communion, we remember that. We remember what you went through. And, and, we, take, and we take hope in that, you know. That, you know, Jesus has been through this. Jesus, he knows what this is like and he is with me. For those who want, need to hear this, you know, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Whatever you're going through, be it persecution, be it something else, be it temptation to sin or even or, or hardships, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. He knows what it's like. He understands. He's been through all three and come out the other side on top. Jesus is with you. Pray to him. Keep going to him. Don't neglect him. He's there for you. Bless you, God. Thank you. You're with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You will stay with us to the end of the age. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. All glory, all honour to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.